We are One Body Audio Theater presents Electron Jones and the Mind Over Matter Affair by Joe Potts. Electron Jones sat quietly in his spacious penthouse, tablet in hand, devouring the news feeds. His friend and companion in crime investigation, October Hughes, alternately read her novel and watched Jones's face with amusement. After a time, Electron placed the tablet on the coffee table and addressed her. I am expecting a visit from Detective Lieutenant Doyle momentarily concerning some mysterious events in a certain sector of our fair city. Mysterious events? Did I miss something? Evidently. My dear October, there is much to be gleaned from even our present society's approximation of journalism if one knows the proper methods to employ. It's all about vertical excavation. The in-vogue practice of horizontal skimming of headlines is not only useless but dangerous. One must dig deep for the nuggets of gold, which are usually buried at the bottom. Really? Should I fetch my hard hat? Your droll remark notwithstanding, today's breed of surface skimmers misses all that is worth knowing. Once the nuggets are collected, one may apply deductive reasoning and arrive at conclusions which are otherwise unattainable. Difficult to do if you haven't collected the nuggets in the first place, I'd say. Precisely. I have a feeling you're about to give me an example from your recent newsfeed spelunking. You know me too well, even before you apply your gifts as an empath. Yes, I have observed over a period of some weeks numerous reports concerning unusual events and mundane crimes, each with one puzzling feature. The buried nuggets? Indeed. Consider the incident of the levitating chairs, for example. A woman reported her kitchen chairs floating about the room. In addition to that, there's the unnerving night of the vibrating window, which deprived another woman of her sleep. A capital crime if there ever was one. Toss in the flying fruit incident, and you have unforeseen and disgraceful behavior from the plant world. And of course, the child trapped under the rogue robocar which, of its own accord, spontaneously rolled off the fortunate lad. Sounds more like a paranormal convention than a crime wave. Indeed. It's odd enough, if it's all true. But maybe imaginations are working overtime? Surely such a cluster of arcane events is unlikely enough. But, when combined with the fact that they all occurred within blocks of each other, well... Inferences must be drawn. The only thing I'm drawing is a blank. I have not provided sufficient data for even your notable intellect to conclude anything. Here's another nugget. When plotted on a map of Tesla Town, the events have an epicenter with which we are familiar. The Wellington Arms Apartments. Oh, Clara Bartholomew's residence. Yes. And the goings-on near her apartment are the reason that her admirer, Lieutenant Doyle, is paying us a visit today. Oh? He's found a connection among the nuggets you've collected in your pan? Unlikely. However, one or two of them have puzzled him sufficiently that he has promised to stop by for a consultation. No doubt at tea time. He seems to have developed a taste for blueberry tea and scones. 
Lieutenant Doyle's tastes in general have been elevated since his association with me, as one might expect. Really, Electron, as I've cautioned you before, beware the ballooning ego. Uh, fortunately, I have you to administer the required pinpricks. You're overdue, apparently. Has it occurred to you his tastes may have been elevated by his friendship with someone else? Clara Bartholomew, for instance? Ah, and here, no doubt, is Lieutenant Doyle now. Huh, spared by a well-timed doorbell. Good morning. I'm glad you're both here. And how lucky for me that I'm just in time for tea. Oh, you know, Electron, it's always time for tea. Except when it's time for coffee. Electron, I think you've missed your calling. You must have been a butler in a past life. An organized mind always contemplates a fallback position. However, I believe you have come not to discuss my career options, but to address the strange events which have troubled the somewhat less organized mind of your uncle and primary career architect, the vice governor. Electron, be kind to your guest. You know very well that Lieutenant Doyle has distinguished himself through his abilities, not his family tree. Oh, I don't mind, Miss Hughes. I have my Uncle Jack, and Electron has his brother Neutron, who, I believe, supplied him with this penthouse and most of its contents. We both make our way under our own steam, though, whatever appearances may be. Yes, we have our common bonds, do we not? But you have come to consult on these unusual activities happening around the city, I believe. Yes, rattling windows, floating chairs. People are getting nervous, and some are saying the area is haunted. So they called the paranormal police and got you instead? Well, that is an upgrade, I imagine. You can laugh, but my Aunt Ursula was quite unnerved by the window incident in her apartment at the Wellington Arms. She hasn't slept well since. I see. But surely the general public is unaware of most of this. Well, strictly speaking, that's true. But you see, Uncle Jack... Ah, uh, yes. You see, his elder sister is my Aunt Ursula... And she's plenty worried. She's even been spooking the other residents at the Wellington Arms. In fact, she made me promise to have you come by this afternoon to investigate. She told everyone that her brother, the vice governor, will put an end to the strange goings-on. And, well, he's coming up for re-election, so... Say no more. All is crystal clear. I will be happy to pay your aunt a visit. You might not say that afterwards. Danger is my business. Speaking of the Wellington Arms, has the object of your affection, Miss Bartholomew, been involved in any of these events? I... I wouldn't call her. We just... Anyway, no, she hasn't. I see. No need to interview her, then. No, no need at all. My uncle is particularly concerned about the robocar event, as it could have been a tragedy. Makes for bad press. You know, killer cars coming after innocent citizens, that whole thing. I saw that movie a few years ago. The robocar was just mad because they weren't changing its oil often enough. I hope this case is as simple. I suggest that we each take our own tack. We can then meet up and compare our findings. If you could return here at, say, six o'clock this evening. Agreed. Bless my badge, I'd like to wrap this one up quickly. If only to get Aunt Ursula off my back. Here, take this blueberry scone with you. You're looking thin. Love can play havoc with an appetite, you know. Well, I guess if even Classy agrees, I'd better take it. 
After Lieutenant Doyle had left, Electron Jones and October Hughes sat finishing their tea. Electron put down his cup and went to the large window overlooking Tesla Town. October came to his side and gently laid her hand on his arm. The elevated glass walkways below were filled with people seeming to walk on air above the robo-buses and personal speeders flowing along the broad avenues below. What's wrong, Electron? I know that look. Did Detective Doyle hit a nerve? His assessment was correct, you know. It is my brother Neutron's name on this building, not mine. I live here by his good graces. He owns the company started by my father. He owns most everything I have. Yes, but it's only because your father knew you were no businessman. And he knew you had a talent that could be used to help people if you were unencumbered by the dreary details of commerce. You're provided for so that you can give free reign to your gifts. You always see me in a positive light, October. Would that I could do the same. However, self-absorption is the enemy of action. We must examine firsthand the sights of these unusual events. I believe it is time we pay a visit to Lieutenant Doyle's aunt. When Electron rang the doorbell of Ursula Doyle's apartment at the Wellington Arms, the door opened to reveal an older woman wearing a tailored suit that was fashionable and assertive, yet feminine. Her hair was dusted with gold and silver highlights and held in place with sparkling pins. Her bright, inquisitive eyes gave a hint of the energy and spirit she possessed in spite of her years. Are you Mr. Electron Jones? At your service. And no doubt this is October Hughes. I'm Ursula Doyle. What in blazes is that furball doing here? This is Classy, my constant companion and a valuable member of our team. If you say so. Have her wipe her paws before she touches my carpet, though. Well, don't just stand there open-mouthed. Aren't you going to come in? Of course. We are delighted to be of service to the sister of the vice-governor and aunt of our friend Lieutenant Doyle. Your nephew told us a little about you and the incident that happened here. You mean, warned you about me, I imagine. Surely that is splitting hairs. Now, if you will explain in detail your knowledge of the strange events happening in the city. I like you already. You get right to the point. Yes, I witnessed the poor boy under that robocar. And myself spent a harrowing night with my bedroom window vibrating like a sorry old ceiling fan begging for the trash heap. I have every confidence that we shall get to the bottom of both incidents. Good. I'd be a week in my grave waiting for my slug of a brother to do something. He's all mouth, no motion. And my highfalutin nephew, the great Detective Lieutenant Robert McDuff Doyle, is only a little better, mainly because he's a youngster. I suggest, Miss Doyle, we first examine your ill-behaved window. Well, obviously. Come this way. Electron conducted a thorough inspection of the window. He meticulously examined the frame, then the glass itself, his face barely an inch from the surface. 
He took out a small device that throbbed with a pale green light and passed it over the window while intently viewing a display on the gadget's face. He then took a magnifying glass from his jacket pocket and looked through it at the window. Listen, Sonny, who do you think you are? Sherlock Holmes? It's okay, girl. This instrument is of my own making and superior to commonplace magnifiers. It includes electronics of my own design. I call it the Electron Microscope. It's his little joke. You see... Listen, I don't care if he gives his infernal contraptions pet names. I just want to know what's going on. It may interest you to know that there are minute striations in this window invisible to the naked eye. They are indicative of the glass being placed under severe strain. This window has earned its keep by stopping whatever was outside from getting in. Outside? But we're six floors up, and it's a sheer wall out there. Who could be trying to get in? Who, indeed? Well, there's a vagrant who hangs around the building, goes by Dirty Dirk. But as far as I know, he's not a circus acrobat. Maybe you know him? I haven't had the pleasure, and I imagine that Dirty Dirk is not his chosen sobriquet. Well, it should be. He looks like he's been dragged through a dump. You know, I've also heard some say there were earthquakes that night. Seismic activity. I have experience in that field. You? Aren't you a bit delicate for such shakings and shimmyings? One of my degrees is in seismology. Though I'm rarely active in that field anymore, just like this area is rarely active with earthquakes. Yes, I believe we may safely rule out that avenue. I understand an acquaintance of yours in this building experienced unusual behavior with her chairs. Yes, Martha Fenster. If she says it happened, it happened. She's as straight and true as they come, bub. See, she was getting ready for bed one night, having a nightcap. Don't read anything into that. I've been known to partake myself. When one of her kitchen chairs rises a foot off the floor. Then the other chairs decide that's a great idea and join in. Before you know it, it's like they're the deck chairs on the Titanic, floating all over the kitchen. Hmm, yes. Fascinating. I must interview her as well. Too late, Sherlock. She skedaddled off to visit her brother in Asimov City. Ah, that is regrettable. Then there is nothing else of interest here. October, I believe it's time that we visit the site of the flying fruit. Now you're talking. Let me just grab a few things first. Oh, well, really, if you have pressing matters to attend to, we can take care of... Nonsense. I wouldn't miss this. Here, the elevator's this way. Uh, word to the wise, though, I don't think the merchants would appreciate you examining their produce with your little spyglass. Yes, well, uh, ah, my good lieutenant and Miss Bartholomew, how unlikely that our paths should all converge on the same spot at the same time. Uh, but, Lieutenant Doyle, I thought you would be out investigating our puzzling case. Oh, what? Yes, well, that is, I was 
and then I just happened to see Miss Bartholomew walking home from the Levitt train station, and, I mean, she was just... I simply decided to... Oh, for heaven's sake, you ninny. She's your girlfriend, and you were walking her home. Everyone knows it, and nothing's wrong with it. (laughs) Hello, Miss Doyle. Yes, you're right. Nothing wrong at all. Yes, well... Listen, Doyle, why don't you join us? There is a site of interest nearby. We can compare notes on the way. Yes, of course. Clara, I'll... Oh, please, Robbie, go ahead. I'm just going to change before I go do some shopping. I have a funny feeling that someone may be smoking here later, and I can't abide that. Call me later. Yes, as soon as I can. The somewhat odd band of investigators took the Levitt train a short distance to a popular market district nearby. As they made their way through the varied fruit and vegetable displays, the warm sun and the gentle breeze, along with the pleasant aroma of fresh produce, all served to make the market seem, to Electron's mind, an unlikely locale for strange events. I believe the merchant who experienced the ill-mannered fruit incident has a stall here. Yes, just a short walk this way. I'd like to get a look-see at that myself. The last thing in the world I need is funny business going on while I'm picking out my apples. Now, Lieutenant, have you learned anything of note in your travels this morning? Not much. A few tidbits about the robocar incident. I was just looking for the fruit vendor before bumping into Clara. It's just over here, I believe. Ah, yes, the apple cart. Sir, are you the proprietor? I'm Detective Lieutenant Doyle. Yes, sir. I'm Gino Vesti. I hope you're here to get to the bottom of all this carrying on. Yes, I'm here to investigate these matters. That's my job, and I'm good at it. Mr. Vesti, this is Electron Jones and his, uh, party. Yes, Mr. Jones. I've heard of you. You're famous in the news feeds. You're a gizmo whiz and a part-time detective. Isn't that right? Something along those lines. This is my associate, Miss Hughes, and the esteemed Ursula Doyle, the good lieutenant's aunt. And this is Classy, who's a bit of a ham. Oh, I've heard about Classy. Yes, uh, yes. Now, please, tell us precisely what you saw. Wait a minute. Are these peaches fresh, Sonny? They look a bit gamey. And six fifty a pound? Hey, lady... Nobody questions my fruit, okay? Everyone knows it's the best around. Aunt Ursula, please. You can buy fruit later. Ooh, nice-looking apple. Mmm, not bad. Should I start a tab for you, Lieutenant? Oh, I'll pay for it. He's becoming too important for such trivialities. Here's my card. Well, anyway, it was like this. And I saw it all myself, or I wouldn't have believed it. Ha! Then why should we believe it? Please, Auntie, let him tell a story. So, I was packing a nice bag of produce for a customer, when all of a sudden, there's a ruckus and a policeman comes flying down the street, chasing some of the usual things we put up with here. Well, one of the buggers runs right into my display. And I guess you could say he upset the apple cart. One of the big multi-level ones, mind you. 
Next thing you know, there's apples bouncing all over the place and falling onto the ground. I thought the flying apples were more of a mystery. Well, that wasn't the mystery. It's what happened next that's so strange. It was a calm day, you know, when out of the blue, some kind of whirlwind or cyclone hits and snatches up all the apples into the air. Extraordinary. Can you describe that event exactly? Yes, I can, sir. Up they go. Into the air. Maybe 50 feet or more. Dozens and dozens of them whirling around in a circle. As big as the street is wide. You could hear the dreadful noise from the air rushing around. Really, Sonny? You make it sound like something out of the Wizard of Oz with your fruit caught up in a twister with Dorothy's house. I suppose you also saw a witch riding on her bicycle up there, too. And Ursula, bless my badge. One more outburst and I'll throw the cuffs on you. It's okay. I understand why she feels that way. But it happened just like that, I swear. And frankly, it was a terrible thing to see. Yes, that must have been an unnerving experience. But there's more, isn't there? Yes, miss. All of a sudden, the cyclone dies down. And the apples are falling. And it's like we're all Isaac Newton down here, getting bashed on the head with them apples. Except it was no inspiration, miss, I'll tell you that. It was a bad day. Mark my words, bad day. And the apples were ruined. I couldn't sell them anymore on account of how damaged that they were. Though some buggers were picking them up and running off with them. It's a pity how people take advantage of a catastrophe. Yes, how appalling. Can you add anything else? Well, sir, I don't know if it's important. I'll just leave that up to you. But I thought it was odd about Dirty Dirk. He's the local beggar, you know. See, Sherlock, I told you. I'm going to crack this case before you do. Well, I hadn't realized he was behind my fruit display. He was probably catching a nap or trying to nap a freebie or two. Anyway, when the stand collapsed, he was buried in apples, and he didn't take it too well. He jumped up, yelling and flailing his arms, trying to get the apples off of him. The apples flew off all right. Then he's running around, shouting and waving his arms and telling everyone to stay away. And then apples started flying around like something in a magic show. If I didn't know better, I'd say it looked like he conjured up that windstorm. Not that I believe in such things, of course. But since you wanted to know everything... Thank you, Mr. Thesty. Is there anything else? No. And that's a plenty in my book, I'll tell you. I'd just as soon forget it. You have been of invaluable help. Do you happen to know where I might find this Dirty Dirk character? I believe his testimony will be most important to the case. 
Good luck finding him. He's not exactly the social type. Ah, I see. Well, Lieutenant, can you join us now at my penthouse to compare our findings in detail? I wish I could, Mr. Jones, but duty calls. Paperwork at headquarters. The downfall of the professional detective, you know. The hobbyist doesn't have such obligations to deter him, I'm sure. Thankfully not. Then we shall meet at six o'clock as previously planned. Agreed. Say, Gino, are the peaches any good? Oh, thank you. Mmm. Yes, Gino, I'll pay for the peach too. Electron, October, and Ursula sat in the front car as the Levitrain left the station and quickly gained speed. As the towers, parks, villas, and shops of Teslatown sped by, October looked out the window in the direction of their destination. Look at those clouds. Is a storm coming? That is no storm, and those aren't clouds. I would say that they're smoke. Smoke from a fire! As they approached the station adjacent to the Wellington Arms, a scene of chaos unfolded before them. Flames enveloped the building, and thick smoke poured out of blown-out windows. A crowd was gathered nearby, and a band of firefighters shot streams of water into the inferno. My home! Oh, everything I own! They exited the levitrain and stood on the platform, aghast at the conflagration which radiated heat towards them. Classy whimpered softly, and October leaned over and gave her neck a reassuring squeeze. A low rumble rippled toward them, and Electron soon realized that it was a roar from the crowd. Only then did he notice a solitary figure running from the building, a bundle under each arm. The figure ran to the firemen and laid the bundles on the ground. As the bundles begin to move, October let out a cry of surprise. Oh, Electron, they're children! Dear Heavenly Saints, yes, there's a daycare on the first floor. The figure turned from the fireman and ran back to the building. As he entered the flaming doorway, several timbers fell. But when he waved his arms, the timbers flew out of the way and the flames parted. He rushed through and fire once again enveloped the entryway. After what seemed an eternity, the flames parted at the entrance, and the figure ran out with two more bundles. The fireman ran up to meet him and took the children from his grasp. He quickly turned around and ran back, again waving his arms. The fire retreated before him, as if frightened of his presence, and the figure disappeared into the building. What on Terrestria are we witnessing? Some sort of miracle. Mr. Jones... At first I wasn't sure, but now, that man, it's Dirty Dirk. The three of them stood on the platform, watching the strange events unfold before their eyes. Time after time it happened, as Dirty Dirk continued his forays into the building, carrying out his cargo, like sacks of coal from a doomed mine. Finally, the figure approached the door, just as the entrance collapsed amid a blast of smoke. Dirk frantically waved his arms, as if angry at the building, and debris and flames retreated until he was able to enter, and then it all collapsed behind him, sealing the entrance. Electron, October, Ursula, and the crowd all waited. 
and waited. But this time, he didn't return. Later that evening, Electron and October sat in Electron's living room, reflecting on the events of the day. They had offered their sympathy and assistance to Ursula, but she insisted that they not trouble themselves and only let them drop her off to stay with her brother, the vice-governor. Punctually, at 6 p.m., the doorbell rang, and Electron ushered in a shocked Lieutenant Doyle. Ah, Doyle, you heard about the fire then. Please, sit. Thank you. Yes, I did. Poor Aunt Ursula, and poor Clara. Was Clara all right? Yes, she was out shopping when it happened. She'll be staying with Aunt Ursula and Uncle Jack for the time being. Good, good. But, no doubt, you heard from your esteemed aunt what transpired? I did. How extraordinary. Who is this dirty dirt character? Unfortunately, no one knows. The news feeds describe him merely as a vagrant although they did go to great lengths to find out that he saved the last child from the inferno by escaping through the back of the building. That's why we didn't see him emerge again. Precisely. But how was he able to enter the fire at all? I don't understand. Witnesses said that he seemed to ward off the flames with his hands. Surely that can't be true. It's quite true. We saw it with our own eyes. I believe I can help us apprehend the situation, Doyle. You have heard me speak of the Antares supernova field? Yes, I've heard you mention it several times. Wait, are you saying, do you think Dirty Dirk's strange abilities are due to Terrestria passing through the Antares field? I would stake my reputation on it, except that I would characterize his abilities as remarkable, not strange, which surely carries too negative a connotation. He evidently has the ability to move matter without touching it. Some have referred to this as telekinesis, though I find that term unwieldy. Yes, that could explain much. In fact, I believe it explains all of our little conundrums. So these events that were so baffling were all due to this vagrant being affected by the Antari supernova? Yes, I believe that the events were caused by a case of mind over matter, literally. And I believe Dirty Dirk was the unwitting instigator. Listen, Electron, if what you say is true, you may well have solved this case. These several cases. But bless my badge, what am I supposed to do now? It seems that this man is not guilty of any crime, if there were any crimes. Although if he's responsible for the robocar incident... I do not believe he is. My theory is this. After the car went awry and came to rest on the poor lad, Dirty Dirk made some wild gesticulations and caused the spontaneous flipping of the car off of the boy. I have interviewed witnesses from the event who identified Dirty Dirk as being at the scene. He has left traces, as he did on Miss Doyle's window and on the sidewalk outside the Wellington Arms, which several of my instruments picked up while we were observing the fire. The patterns from his mind force, for lack of a better term, are as identifiable as fingerprints. 
Just as he saved the children from the inferno by having matter obey his commands, he saved the boy from the robocar, whether he was aware of it or not. I'm sure the data from the robocar will help confirm that. But Electron, you're sure about the source of the levitating chairs? Dirty Dirk, while flexing his yet-to-be-realized powers. The flying fruit? Dirty Dirk. The vibrating window? Dirty Dirty Dirk. Dirk. I believe you hit the proverbial nail on the head, Doyle, when you said that he has committed no crime. In fact, he is a hero. Yes, if anything, you should recommend to your uncle, the vice governor, that a parade be given in his honor through the heart of Tesla Town. Well, we'd have to find him first. And something tells me that the best adulation we can give him is not to look for him. He does seem to be a gentleman who prefers his privacy. Uncle Jack will not be pleased. A missing man who mysteriously caused disconcerting events through his ability to manipulate matter with his mind? Let's just say that's not something you can easily share with the electorate. And in the meantime, what do I tell my superiors? If I were you, I'd tell them the truth. After all, the more we can get people to admit that the Antari supernova field is affecting the population the more likely it will be for people like Dirty Dirk to feel comfortable re-entering society. Indeed. Until then, we should keep our eyes peeled for Dirty Dirk's reappearance. There may be a time when we need the aid of his talents and of all those affected by the Antares supernova field. Electron Jones and the Mind Over Matter Affair was written by Joe Potts. The cast in order of appearance was Albert Sines as the narrator, Dennis Jers as Electron Jones, Dana Rizzo as October Hughes, Michael Timmons as Detective Lieutenant Doyle, Carolyn Jers as Classy, Leanne Jers as Ursula Doyle, Gretelyn Darkey as Clara Bartholomew, and Paul Fox as Gino Vesti. Our audio technicians were Jacob Gorsuch, Thomas Marincheck, and Albert Sines. The sound effects were created and recorded for We Are One Body Audio Theater by Jacob Gorsuch, John Watechko, and Albert Sines. Additional sound effects from zapsplat.com and soundeffectsplus.com. The music was composed by Gretelyn Darkish, with the elevator music being composed by John Watechko. The artwork was created by Dennis Jers. Electron Jones and the Mind Over Matter Affair was directed by Gretelyn Darkey and produced by Thomas Marinchuk. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater. Here's another nugget.